podcast is provided for general information and for general information purposes only and does not replace your financial, tax, legal or finance product advice. Hello everyone and welcome to The Female Investor, your chance to listen to two of Australia's leading property experts talking about all things property buying, finance, strategy and lots more. Kate Hill and Nicola McDougall are the authors of the book The Female Investor, Creating Wealth, Security and Freedom Through Property. Kate is an award-winning property mentor and coach, a qualified property investment advisor and founder of buyer's agency, Advisable. And she's a successful property investor herself. Nicola is an award-winning and prolific property journalist. She has been involved in property research, analysis and reporting for 15 years. And she is also a successful property investor herself. Property investment is one of the simplest, safest and preferred ways for women to create financial freedom. And with the right information to make an educated and informed decision, this can be achieved. If you know a woman who is concerned about her financial future, or maybe that's you. If you're keen to improve your chances of creating an income for life, then this is your place to learn, be inspired and motivated. Along with some special guests, Kate and Nicola will be offering genuine practical news and tips to women of any age to stake your claim on the property market. So come on, ladies, stay tuned and let's do this together. Hello, everybody out there, and welcome to the Female Investor Podcast. Couple of segments for you today. The first is a chat with Tina House from Smart Move, our mortgage broker extraordinaire, all about the latest interest rate rise, what it means, and should it stop you buying property? It's a hot topic, right? And after that, I've got a little strategy session for you about how much money you need to retire on. So stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am here today, as advertised in the intro, with Tina from Smart Move to talk to you about all things property and finance. Hello, Tina. Hey, Kate. Great to see you again. Likewise. So we have a hot burning topic for you today. It is possibly the most asked question I think that we are both getting at the moment, and I don't see that easing anytime soon. It's, of course, all about interest rates and property prices. Now, interest rates and rate rises are all over the news, social media and radio. You literally cannot avoid the topic at the moment. I think because they obviously all know that we're going to click on it immediately. Absolutely. The question really is, should this stop you from investing in property? Tina has prepared some responses for us to some of those most asked questions and perhaps concerns around a topic that is, like I say, likely to be around for a little while. So Tina, share your amazing wisdom with us and I'll chip in as and when necessary. (laughs) It's a big one. Okay. All right. So I guess my suggestion to you is take what the media says with a grain of salt. Totally. Um, They're really trying to scare people at the moment with that whole clickbait. Yeah. Um, And it's it's really hard to get a balanced approach out there. Mm. Um, I'm getting, obviously, you want to stay informed. Mm. So I I encourage you to diversify where you're getting your sources of information from. Listening to some great podcasts at the moment, you know, from a variety of sources, because it's also very important to say, well, you know, is it in this bank's interest to keep lending money? Mm. So if that 
that person's coming out and saying rates are going up and property values are going down, you, you always kind of want to understand where the person's coming from mm. and whether they have an ulterior agenda. Mm. It's more just when the newspaper is telling you something, be really careful of, of just Absolutely. taking it what it's Mm, absolutely and the newspapers and the media you know wherever you're reading this their sole goal is to get your attention and they're going to do that with the most dramatic headline that they can basically yeah yeah Yeah. Mm. so if somebody came to me and said tina rates are on the way up i'm nervous about property prices coming down Mm. but we really just can't live in our two-bedroom apartment anymore because we've got so many, you know, we've got more children than we can fit in the room. We're in the space, but I'm nervous. Mm. So what I would say to those people is, okay, well, if we're looking at the next property, are you looking to hold on to it for absolute minimum five years, ideally 10 years? Are you looking to to buy something that's going to be a long-term investment? Mm. If the answer is yes, then I would say, it doesn't matter if the property goes up or if it goes down. That's only relevant if you're looking to sell it. Mm. If you're living there, the value of it means nothing. As long as you can afford your repayments mm. and you can, you know, be in that property cycle long enough to ride through the wave, then it doesn't matter mm. if you buy the property and there's a slight dip in prices mm. because too many people have read the alarmed, um, the articles in the papers are mm. scaring people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that would be my first point. Um, make sure that you're buying this asset for the long term. Yes. If you said, no, no, I just want to buy it for a few years because then we're likely to, you know, need to upgrade again because we've got more children on the way or whatever the purpose mm. is, then I would probably suggest to, to sit tight, reevaluate and maybe come back to me once mm. you, you've mm. established that. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, Kate, you're the property expert in terms of property values. What's the average cycle in terms of Yeah, absolutely. There, well, there's no such, well, the average cycle really, again, I'd say there's no such thing, right? I mean, Sydney tends to flatline for 10 years, do nothing, and then boom, Adelaide will creep up two, three, four percent, maybe three and a half percent year on year. Brisbane does something quite similar, but then not the whole of Brisbane, you know, markets yeah. and markets. Yeah. Really, you're holding these investments just like you're at your owner occupied property for 10, 15, 20 years. Things are going to go up and down. Yeah. That's it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. we have had, when you look historically at interest rate rises, which, you know, I think there will be some first homeowners who have been in an environment of low interest rates for some time. We are still historically at very, very low interest rates. Do you remember a previous conversation of ours when we were both talking about our stories of when I remember fixing when I thought 6.39 was an awesome interest rate and I fixed for three years? I fixed for five years at 5.69 because, wow, if I can work in five years at 5.69, way better than the 8%. And everyone knows the story of when interest rates were 17% and, you know, so... Things are going to go up and down during yes. these cycles, right? You can't have a freak out every time the economy does something that you might not be used to for the past couple of years. Inflation is going to go up and down. We've just been through a global pandemic. There will be something else within the next decade that will shake the foundations of how we live. Yeah. Whether that's a war, another pandemic, something will happen that we can't even imagine. You cannot let yourself be put off from a, living your life, and mm-hmm. B, securing your financial future 
because of these, dare I call them, relatively minor hiccups in the grand scheme of things. That is my comment on the issue. (laughs) Yeah. But I know I know it feels like it's the end of the world right now because they've gone up by, you know, tiny little amount. They're going to keep going up. You're already being assessed by the banks at a much higher rate. A lot of people have already factored that in. A lot of people are way ahead on their repayments, right? So things are going to go up and down the end. Yeah. <laughs> now. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess from my perspective in terms of interest rates, yes, we've had an interest rate rise. Yes, mm-hmm. we're expecting more interest rate rises. But when you're looking at your loan repayments, you shouldn't just be looking at what they are at the current rate. You should be looking at an extra 1%, an extra 2%, an extra 3% on top of that. Mm. Um, For any of my clients now, because we've had that first interest rate rise, um, we are expecting more. And Mm. every time there is an interest rate rise, Mm. the banks reassess their internal assessment rate which mm. is the rate that they look at whether you can afford yeah. the loan. It's a, yeah. it's a risk mitigant factor that mm-hmm. they've thrown into their calculators. So I will be looking at what the repayments are at a higher amount, providing those to you, making sure mm. that you're still comfortable that mm. if rates go back up to 4.5%, which we don't know will actually happen, mm. no. but if they no. do, you want to make sure that there's enough fat in your budget and discretionary items that you can still afford it. So that you can um, sleep at night. Yeah, and four, four and a half percent is still less than the 6.39 that I fixed at for three years back in the mid-2000s. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if we look at kind of the last couple of years where we have had the 2% four-year fixed rates during the pandemic, if we put aside those like, people that came into the market at that point, realistically, most of those people would have taken a three, four-year fixed rate. Yeah. So, they don't need to worry for the most part no, that's for the right. next few years. Yeah. If that's you, then I would still be looking to put aside some money mm. to prepare for in the three, four years' time when mm. that rate comes mm. off mm. so that you've got a buffer and you know that you can comfortably live mm. like that. But for anyone else pre-pandemic, then they were already paying in their variable rate more than yeah. where rates are now that's right. that's and right. probably another three or four rate rises. Mm. The chances are they were already at that point. Exactly, which, so, is why, which is why the banks are saying that so many people are, are ahead. came out and said that are ahead. Like yes. some, of, some, there was a statistic that a lot of people are two years ahead yeah. exactly. because they kept their payments up during COVID, right? Yeah. 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 So, you yeah. know, yes, you can always eat into that. And at the same time, yes, we have seen petrol prices go up, the cost of living go up, mm. um, but you've got those savings, you've got that buffer. So if you're looking to get into the market and you're concerned about investing in property, mm. then as long as you've done your numbers on some higher figures and you know you can still afford it, mm. then you have nothing to worry about yeah. and you absolutely should still jump in. Mm. Okay, because chances are your money sitting in the bank getting 0.25%, maybe 0.5%. We all know that the Reserve Bank increased rates and for the most part the lenders passed on the rate increase to their clients but didn't pass it on to their deposit holders, Mm. which is a large percentage of the population out there. Yeah, I think, what, 30% have a mortgage, Mm. but there's there's an equally large number of people that don't have mortgages, Mm. retirees Mm. and so forth, that have money in the bank that would love to see a higher return on their cash. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, you've already touched on it, Kate, that when the bank looks at what you can borrow, they're already factoring in an extra 25 to 3%. Yeah. So in their eyes, you can afford it. You're, you've been able to afford it for at least the last sort of five years in terms of lending assessment that there's been that buffer mm. over the, the variable rate. But 
I always sort of harp on about the budget. <laughs> Get to know your budget. Don't do your budget. Don't harp on as much as you like because I do too. You need to know your expenses. You need to know what it, yeah. what it costs you to live. Mm-hmm. The minute the pandemic hit and things got a bit scary for all of us, we mm-hmm. really did not know what was going to happen if the mm-hmm. whole world was going to shut down and mm-hmm. if everything was going to stop. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, in my industry, things kept going, mm-hmm. so I was okay. But before I knew that I was going to be okay, was back to the spreadsheet is okay I can live without Foxtel yeah I can live without the overseas trips I can live yeah. without eating out mm. what are my absolute minimum cost of living mm. and what is that number and know that number mm. because that's the number that's going to help you sleep at night mm. so that you know that you can make ends meet and what my minimum income is and how much my interest rate can go right. up what my buffer is if my tenant can't pay the rent mm. all those sorts of things because that will help you determine your risk appetite. Yeah, that's right. Because when things get scary and the majority that aren't, Mm. you know, educated or aren't Mm. looking outside the square and only going with the clickbait, they tend to just sit back and do nothing. Mm. But there are so many good opportunities out there for those that are actually prepared to take the plunge. That's right. And I have to throw this in. I think doing that budget is just generally a really good exercise to do, regardless of whether you have a mortgage or not. You know, I think just from a peace of mind perspective, from a sleep at night factor, know that, like you say, know that figure, know what is, know what you're doing with your money, know where your money is going. It's really powerful stuff. And I think, like I said, in a previous conversation of ours, it does amaze me often how few people do actually know that, you know, Um, and I know it can be a bit scary and a bit daunting and, oh, I know I spend too much on Uber Eats, you know, face it, do the spreadsheet, look at it, monitor it and go, oh, actually, that is a bit much. If I cut back on that, look what I could do with that money. You know, I just think regardless, it's a good exercise. Absolutely. And the opposite to that, people think budget, oh, you only have to budget if you you can't afford to Mm. make ends meet or Mm. you don't have much money. On the contrary, if you do have a significant surplus and you know what your budget looks like, then you know how much you can then actually allocate to... Frivolously spend. (laughs) Frivolously spend to a degree and then invest. (laughs) Yeah. Whether that's investing in property, investing in shares, putting Mm. money into your super, looking at, okay, my mortgage is this much. If I redo the numbers at this, you know, new higher rate of four and a half percent, I would like to have that paid off in 10 years. What's the repayment yeah. on that? Mm. Can I achieve that goal? That's right. And knowing the end goal, mm. there's no better way to get you to stick to your guns and yeah. forego, you know, instant gratification with sure. spending by knowing that, well, that's okay. I can still do this and that, but I'm going to have my mortgage paid off in 10 years yes. and then I whatever, whatever it is. Just with a simple spreadsheet, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Anyway. Yeah. The other point is, yes, so we're concerned about property prices. Well, according to the media, property prices going down or the rate at which property is going up. Slowing. Slowing. Um, and we're, and remember, every we've got lots of different economies mm. and lots of different property markets in our one country. So don't forget that. Kate's the expert on that. And if you listen to her <laughs> podcast, you'll hear about that. Yes. <laughs> but if you are renting and concerned about interest rates going up, you should also, I guess, be scared of your rent going up mm. because that's going to follow. It's Well, it is already following. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I, already, I did a whole thing about this, Judd, this critical undersupply yeah. of rental properties yes. last week, and it's yes. only going to get worse. I'll let you yes. know. <laughs> 
So, you know, I had a client yesterday that responded to concerns about rates going up and she said, okay, well, I'm going to increase my rent. My client, my tenant's fantastic, but they've been on rent that's been too low for a long time, so now I'm going to increase it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So expect that and factor that into mm. when you look at your, do yeah. I buy with the risk of mm. rates going up or do yeah. I, yeah. So, yes. And, and I have to stress that is that is going to keep getting worse for tenants, better for landlords. Yeah. Yeah. Because there yeah. is there is a massive supply shortage of rental properties. Mm. Yes. For various reasons. Listen to my other conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch my video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the market sort of slowed to the level that it has, mm. in my eyes, it's actually a great time to buy. Yes. So my first home buyers and my second home buyers, mm. but that heat mm-hmm. of turning up to an auction and getting outbid mm. and going over the auction guide by ridiculous multiples mm. is out of the equation, which means it's actually a really nice time to be able to negotiate with an agent mm-hmm. and put a fair offer on the table, potentially get your cool-off period yeah. so that you can then formalise your finance, get your valuation, yeah. Yeah. Um, and just take your time without having to make rash decisions. Mm-hmm. So it is a much better time to be buying than in the the ridiculous heat that we saw in the last yeah, year. That's right. We're, we're really essentially just coming back to what, what I'd say market. were pre pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. kind of normal market conditions. Yeah. Right? So yeah. where we're not one of 25 offers. Correct. Um, properties are going to sit on the market for a little bit longer. Sellers are going to have to adjust their expectations. I know this is going to be a bit of a transition period. We've also, obviously, we've got that, in, you know, in Australia, we have our federal election coming up. April is traditionally a much slower month because of all our public holidays here. We've got the end of financial year in Australia. So coming up uh, at the end of June. So it's typically a slightly slower couple of months. Mm -hmm. But once this whole potential change of government settles down, uh, things we definitely see them returning back to a what I guess is more normal. However, yeah, however, I also think that that is not going to last because the migration policy, certainly here in Australia, we need people, right? We have, again, critical shortage of Restaurants, hospitality. Every single industry that I know is desperate. You know, we don't have enough. We never have. Australia never has had enough people to stimulate this economy. We need them. And I know the New South Wales government is lobbying federal government to get get these migrants back in, to get our students back in. Where Uh are they all going to live, right? Back yeah. to the critical undersupply of rental property, but these people also yeah. buy property. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's not it's not going to crash the way. Yeah. They typically, if you're migrating to Australia, you'll typically come here, rent for a while, work out for where you want to live, where you want to send then, the kids to school, and right. then you want to buy. That's right. Yeah. Sell the property back home, all of that. Hmm. Probably a nice thing at the moment is when you do go and see your, your finance advisor, your, hmm. your mortgage broker, um, and they tell you what your borrowing capacity is and how much of a deposit you need. Hmm. The heat being out of the market means that if the answer is you just don't have enough money yet, go and save a bit more. You actually have the time now um, because the market mm. is not just going up ridiculously to the point where by the time you save mm. it, it's just kept going up yeah. and you're, you're chasing yeah. your tail. You've actually now got the time to mm. make smart decisions and yeah. come back in six months or come back in 12 months. Yeah. And that's a normal environment. Yes, that's right. That's right. Whereas the last yes. two years, it's almost been a case of yeah. just do whatever you can to get yes, in because the right. going backwards and the property's going up. Yeah. And look, and I also think, you know, the key, the key to what you said earlier just now, which I agree with 110% is that, you know, the rate of growth 
is slowing. That's, you know, things are just stabilising. It's not, you know, we're not talking about a decline in property prices at the moment in any of the markets that, you know, we're certainly buying in. It's like you said, it's just a, a slowing in the growth. Things are still going up, just not crazy growing up. They're just, you know. Yep. Slowly. There is still strong yeah. fundamental demand for blue absolutely. chip properties. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a client looking mm. at a property at the moment, Sydney mm. in the West, 40 mm-hmm. people at open house. Mm. Um, yeah. There was a queue to go yeah. into the bathroom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, you know, you look at yeah. pictures on this, it's, it's a beautiful property, great location, mm. three-bedroom, mm. freestanding house, you know, it ticks a lot of boxes and there's still a lot of people out there that are looking right. to get into the market. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it will go for over the auction guide. Mm-hmm. Um, just the same way, you know, 12 months ago or yeah. pre-Christmas it would have. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, to summarise, I would say the mm. fundamentals of why you buy property mm. have not changed. If you have a stable income, stable employment, a good-sized deposit, you can afford a loan mm. factoring in extra rate rises mm. and more average level of rates, mm. then now is as good a time as any to yeah. buy. Yes, agreed. Let's think of it as things just returning to a kind of normal, really. That's the way I, I agree. Yeah, and all those fundamentals, yeah. like you say, absolutely still there in all those good good areas. Economies are doing really well. You know, jobless figures are better than they've been, as good as they've been since the 1970s. So things are definitely looking pretty good. Thank you, Tina. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. We will talk to Tina again really, really soon. And we'll say bye for now. Bye, Kate. Bye, everyone. Bye. Okay, everybody. I hope that you found that useful. As always, Tina is just such a mind of information. And the two of us have seen many, many property and finance cycles over the years. So I hope that's clarified some of the issues. I know it can be a bit nerve wracking when this stuff happens, but just remember that interest rates are still really, really low historically, okay? And now for my strategy session, how much money do you actually need to retire on? Stay tuned. How are your finances stacking up for your retirement? Can the average person build a retirement-ready property portfolio these days? Will your retirement nest egg be enough to provide you with the lifestyle you expect and want for yourself? How big will your asset base need to be for you to be retiring comfortably? And what is realistic and achievable? I know that these are lots and lots of questions. So I've done a little bit of number crunching for you to put together a bit of a it's a bit of a basic guide to creating a comfortable passive income in retirement by using the leverage available to you through property investment. But first, I have got some hard facts for you. Now, ASIC and Money Smart suggest that the average Australian couple will need around $64,000 a year in passive income to have a comfortable retirement uh, lifestyle. So they the comfortable, you know, you're not too worried about putting the heating on, you can pay your medical bills, you're not eating beans on toast every night. Around 80% of Australians will actually retire on less than 20,000 a year. This is based on current numbers 
and superannuation or pension or retirement fund figures and statistics. Figures from elsewhere around the world are not much better, and I will feature some of those in later programs because it is shocking, quite frankly. The aged pension here in Australia is about 25000 a year for a single adult. And mathematically, with a diminishing tax base and a rapidly aging population, honestly, you can't genuinely rely on this or the purchasing power that it's going to have in the future, mainly because of inflation, right? It's also likely that perhaps by 2035, the age pension in Australia might not be available to you until you're about 70 years old. So to retire on $100,000 a year, you do need the equivalent of around $2 million in assets if you assume a 5% return after a tax after tax per year. Now, if you don't have the money in the bank, then you do need to translate this into the value of your portfolio and the returns that you're earning from it each year. On average in Australia, this means owning, I'd say, at least three properties, right? And I do talk about this, not spending too much on one particular asset, but this is uh, just a very basic guide, right? Incentives in Australia, such as the self-managed super funds or, you know, the retirement funds, as we call them here, and tax incentives in our country here, such as negative gearing, depreciation, along with the leverage available because you're borrowing money to buy property, makes it very achievable for the average non-professional property investor to own three properties or more if you start early, get the right advice, obviously, buy in the right area and manage your portfolio sensibly, just to state the obvious. It is a fact that many people and women in particular often through no fault of our own, are woefully underprepared, relying on things like inheritance money, purely on super, or the state, God forbid. An increasingly risky proposition, I would say, in this day and age, as I've just said, right? You're going to need to be 70, and God knows what uh, the government are going to do with your money. So you need to do your numbers on what retiring comfortably means to you, How much are you going to need, depending on what you want to be able to do and achieve later on in life? And that doesn't mean necessarily waiting until you're 70, right? It's doing these figures. When do you want to retire and how much are you going to want to have by that time? Projections about the future value of money, economies and inflation, it can be really confusing and frustrating. So focusing on the fundamentals of wealth building for now, it's critical and I'd say it's also just a sensible thing to do. Doing nothing is a very good way to find yourself living in poverty under great financial stress in retirement if you are relying on the state or relying on things that might actually never happen, right? If you want to retire without this stress, then obviously the sooner you take action and take control of your finances, the better. It is never too late. It's my final point, bullet point in our hard facts and figures section here. It's never too late. If you are in your 50s, you are feel underprepared for retirement. You need to work a little bit smarter and harder, sure. But it's not too late. It further really underlines the need for good advice and a, let's call it a thorough investigation of what your options are given your circumstances. 
So should you invest in property? Well, if you look at the basics of leverage, if you have $100,000, just to make my mental arithmetic really easy, and you invested in the stock market and it returns 10% per year, you are making 10,000 a year. That is not a bad return. I'm not saying it's not, you know, it should definitely be part of your diversified portfolio. Talk to your financial advisors about that. However, if you've got $100,000 and you borrow from the bank, 400,000, you buy a property worth $500,000 and it grows 10% a year, then guess what? You're making 50,000 a year, minus your borrowing costs, of course, and there's holding costs and whatnot, but we're just keeping it to basic principles here. You are accelerating your financial equity and your position by using the power of money and leverage to your advantage. And don't even get me started about putting your money in the bank, right? Given the interest rates we're getting at the moment and the difference between that and inflation. And don't forget you pay tax. It's an earnings, right? You pay tax on the interest that you earn, assuming it's more than four cents a month at the moment, right? It is realistic and achievable to build a comfortable retirement through property investing and you don't have to spend millions, right? I've gone through this before. Listen to previous episodes. There are areas and properties that are affordable for many wage earners, right? You, honestly, I tell you, you don't need millions. The important thing when looking at all of the numbers is to do something, no matter what stage you're at, to just get on with it and to be smart about it. So what do you need to consider in order to make that happen? So to begin with, really, you need to just determine a dollar figure of how much you will need as a, let's call it a residual income each year to live the kind of life that you expect and that you'd like, right? Like I said, without having to worry about paying your basic expenses, you can be as lofty as you like, of course, or as ambitious, <laughs> but most of us, I think, just really just want to not have to worry. You then need to create a realistic time frame to be able to do that and a detailed property plan. Again, see one of the previous episodes, including specific strategies on how you're going to achieve this. Have a listen to other podcasts, read the planning. Now, Again, this shocking statistic, really, but nine out of 10 property investors do not have a proper property investment plan in place. It's kind of a buy and hope and wait sort of attitude. So, of course, again, with the right advice, you can set yourself up to be leaps and bounds ahead. And what is the plan for you? Everything starts from where you're at right now, obviously, and where you want to then be and when. So look realistically at that pathway and the strategies to get you from this point A to point B in the future. And like I said, everybody's circumstances are different. I don't want to say unique because a lot of us are sort of in similar situations. There are little variations, but there is no one size fits all model to copy here. That is the key. There's a lot of books out there. They're going to give you a lot of advice, but you need a plan and that strategy and that pathway to get you from point A to point B that is specific for you. Analyzing and understanding your particular set of circumstances and your risk profile is critical here. You don't want to be taking too many risks and you find yourself not sleeping at night. 
So what today's numbers show is that the biggest risk, honestly, everybody out there is doing nothing. And that the sooner you consider your financial circumstances, your future, the sooner you can be on your way to achieving financial independence and the freedom that comes with that. So I'll leave that there for now. A good start. Obviously, I can't leave it without a shameless plug. Buy the book, The Female Investor. If you need something to get you motivated, send us an email through. Any questions that you have, ladies and gents, if there's any lovely gents listening, we don't mean to exclude you, (laughs) then do let me know. I'll leave it there and I will see you all again soon. Bye. And that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and found it super useful. You can email us with any questions that you have on info at thefemaleinvestor.com.au. Don't forget to order a copy of the book, The Female Investor. You can go to your local bookstore, pick it up on Amazon or Booktopia or anywhere that good books are sold. And you can head to thefemaleinvestor.com.au where you can click on the links and also find lots of resources on property investing, news, hints, tips and videos. We will be with you all again soon. Stay safe and well, everyone. Bye for now. Bye.